0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson, and Drew Schneider is here with us today. Drew, how are you doing? Doing well. i uh,
1: enjoying the nice Athens weather
0: here in Georgia. Yeah, that, that must be nice. I'm up north in, in Washington, and so is our guest, Ian Boyd, writer at Inside Texas and author of Flower Football, and Ian is up in Michigan. Ian, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, great to be on. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess before we actually get into the KSA Texas game, I wanted to ask you, as someone who's watched you know, as much Big 12 football as anybody, how strange is it for you to see a year where nobody's, no quarterbacks are throwing for 250 yards a game and then the best teams are all relying on run and defense?
2: It's crazy. I keep wanting to write about it and I haven't really written much about it except to like mention like, oh, by the way, no one has a quarterback this year except for uh, Kansas State. And he's all beat up, and uh, I guess Iowa State. You would still, I still think proc Pretty is pretty good, but um, you know, not good enough. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I, I think I don't know. This could be a whole podcast. So but yeah. you don't want to get me going. <laughs> yeah. I, I think coaching changes are a factor. It feels like a lot of the coaches that would consistently crank out awesome quarterbacks are just not here anymore, and and then the ones that are still here have various issues like, you know, Sark didn't inherit a Mac Jones and Lincoln Riley's got his crazy deal with Rattler and uh, Caleb Williams. And then Gundy, you know, has been married to Spencer Sanders. So they're, uh-huh. they're like working things out like an old married couple on the field every week.
0: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you see this as kind of more an anomaly as than like a sign of things to come. <laughs> For the I,
2: I think it depends on coaches, but I, suspect that it could switch again after this next round of hires
0: yeah yeah well yeah like you said we we could talk a lot more on that but let's talk about kansas state texas we get that friday 11 a.m kickoff in austin (laughs) and and, uh it sounds like skylar thompson (laughs) seems like he's probably not going to be able to play through the injury yesterday so the, the line came out it's texas by two two and a half you know depending on where you look i guess what do you guys make of that line from Vegas right now?
2: Definitely seems like they uh are not expecting Skylar Thompson to play. That's yeah. the only reason I can think of for why Texas would be favored in this game at all. And uh Hudson Card may not play in this game either because he uh he left the last game after getting tackled awkwardly and he uh was extremely gimpy when he came back in, so um I you got to figure Thompson is out.
0: Mhm. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, sounds like we got a
1: Battle of the Backups brewing uh, in Austin (laughs) on Friday. So some exciting football, uh, you know, Big Ten, uh, Big 12 uh, football going on now, uh, where everybody just, you know, pounds the ball ahead three yards at a time and uh, see who wins in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about Texas. I mean, obviously – Struggling right now, their first six-game losing streak since 1956. Uh, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of close losses, and then some off-the-field issues as well. Ian, when you look at this, you know, are there any particular moments that you point to where it all kind of started spiraling?
2: There's a few. It, I think it took a lot of it took a lot of dominoes to bring the whole thing down to the degree it's fallen. I think when Sark pulled. Hudson card after the Arkansas game where they just got pounded. He went with Casey Thompson from then on out. And then their next two games were against like Rice and Texas tech who they obliterated. Cause those teams had bad defenses. And then they were kind of locked in with Casey Thompson, but he's a kind of a limited quarterback and he's a bad fit for what Sark wants to do, which is to take play action shots down the field all day. So I think he kind of hamstrung himself in year one when he, uh, went with the older quarterback who was a worse fit for his offense rather than uh, trying to develop Hudson Cardmore, that'd be one. I would say defensively, I think they were always going to get exposed and fall apart. Caleb Williams happened to be the one that beat them in the Red River shootout. But if they could have gotten Spencer Rattler calmed down, I think Oklahoma still might win with Spencer Rattler because uh, Texas couldn't stop their run game at all. Every time Oklahoma ran counter, Texas was like, we have no idea where to be. And they were just gashing him. But, uh, when Casey Thompson threw a pick six on the goal line against Oklahoma state up 17 to like, I think it was 17 to seven, they were up. And, uh, at that moment, I think the season just totally flipped and they just kind of fell apart after that. So those are, so a couple big moments, maybe, uh, the first long run by Oklahoma would be another one where just like everyone started to realize, like, oh, this Texas defense doesn't know how to stop the run.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to—I also write for the on Purdue websites, and we just do want to thank the Longhorns for paying Mark Hagen salary this year because he's done a wonderful yes. job on the defensive line at Purdue. It's a hundred, like, three hundred and sixty—just turn around from what it was last year. As far as uh being well coached and getting after it,
2: nice, I bet they're gonna do that favor for some other guys next year too <laughs> He's subsidizing some other team's defensive staff when they end up firing all these coaches.
1: yeah, no, Hagen was a big I mean he used to coach at Purdue, and like I was, as soon as I saw as soon as Texas announced he was gone, I think Jeff Braum was there trying to hire him immediately because. Uh, Y'all just hemorrhaged a lot of, of really good coaches in all of this coaching uh you know disarray over the last decade.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they really struggle to fit staff together at Texas. I'd say it's probably the biggest the biggest reason why Texas has been bad this decade is because they can't their head coaches I haven't seen them hire a head coach who can uh put a good staff together and manage it like either the head coach will hire big famous names that he can't get to work together or he'll hire like guys that got him the job at some smaller school. And then they can't handle the jump up. It's just, it's been remarkable how badly they've managed to botch coaching staff hires. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, yeah, I mean, you kind of alluded to it when you were talking about the games, but, um, and not as much the last two weeks, but, before that, Texas was blowing a lot of second half leads, a lot of times in the fourth quarter. Um, you know what is it about this team that has kind of led to those struggles? I mean, I know the cliches are like the lack of heart, the lack of leadership, but you know what do you see?
2: I do think they've lacked leadership from the players. I think that's a pretty fair, you know, cliche. This probably held pretty true. Initially, it seemed like they would uh, just wear down on defense because they're playing like this bin don't break style and the offense would keep having droughts i think like the offense would score some points on their early script and then they would run out of script and then they would like not be able to execute base offense and so they would just get shut out with tons and tons of 3 and outs and then the defense would be on the field for like a eight play drive give up a field goal offense would come out three and out defense comes back on gives up a seven play drive and another field goal and eventually they would just fall apart. And then at some point, it seemed like the players just kind of checked out, or at least not all of them, but it seems like some of the players just checked out. And then at that point, you know, they wouldn't even build the front first half lead. They would just get punched in the mouth and maybe either wobble or, like, take a few more punches and then go down.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have
1: a question for you, Ian. Sorry, uh, Luke, I'm going step on you. Do you think this... This has been sort of an ongoing theme. Of course, you have, you know, Sam Ellinger, who's always a good leader and a tough kid. But sort of this talk about Texas just not being able to get the guys with the heart that are going to come in and finish and and play through. Is it just a question of who Texas is recruiting or Texas high school football in general, where they're just the upper level guys are sort of coddled their whole career and they get in and they have to, uh, you know, work as a team? this struggle what's your thought
2: on that i don't know it doesn't seem to necessarily bring down other schools that recruit texas high school players i think texas probably attracts the guys that are all about the i think it might attract divas basically it's like why would you choose often maybe because it's uh it's the program. And there's not a college football program in the Big 12 that's in a bigger city, right? That like dominates a a big city in the way that the Longhorn's do. So you're, you know, you're kind of famous party in Sixth Street, huge campus, tons of fellow students to party with. So I I think some of the uh, allures of Austin might select for divas. I think the allures of Austin may also create divas where a diva didn't exist before. So those are two problems. They've they've got other problems. I don't know if I would put that at the top of the list. It's certainly in there amongst problems they have. They've had some Warriors too, but um, sometimes they're like miscast because they, you know, they change the defensive staff or the offensive staff for the third time and guys don't have clear roles or they haven't been developed for clear roles or they, you know, they've had so many problems. But I think that one is probably at least partially true and that's how I would characterize it. Yeah.
0: So if you were a coach would, in Austin, how would you how would you be able to try to fix that?
2: That's the million dollar question. They definitely need to account for that in recruiting. I think they need to make sure that they have some dogs that, you know, just are not going to be happy if they're not grinding and winning football games. They have a few of those guys, but they're not like I think their backup running back, Rashawn Johnson, is like that. But the problem is, is that he plays running back and so does Bijan Robinson. You know, he'll be out against Kansas State. So you will see Rashawn Johnson, but his role on the team is somewhat marginalized by that. Just kind of a luck of the draw for Texas. I derailed myself a little bit. They need to be very careful with culture. Tom Herman actually was pretty good at... The complaint with Tom Herman is that he was a bad cop who hired other bad cops. And there were no good cops on the staff. So the players just like hated the staff, but they did play hard every game. So it didn't seem to be that big a problem. They just weren't, they just didn't execute super well or were not coached very well all the time. And then now the worry with Sark is that it's all good cops and no bad cops except for Bo Davis. So I don't know. Maybe there's a perfect balance that they have yet to strike, or maybe it's all nonsense and they, I don't know.
1: yeah it's just so weird for me because like i lived in texas for so i lived in college station for seven years so obviously i heard a lot about the longhorns that was right during the transition but i also taught high school at brunham so i high school so i dealt so like i taught like malcolm brown uh was there when i was there and a bunch of those kids and i mean those guys were grinders but you know coming around with a small sort of program but you could tell when Mac was on campus it was like God walked through the door like the entire school like shut down for the day uh, when Texas was there to recruit it and so it's just it always just blows my mind that they can't you can take your pick of almost any kid in Texas and can't (laughs) and can't win football games and I guess that's the struggle that I guess the Longhorn Boosters are still going through right now, Uh, or I guess it's kind of hard to be patient and let let a guy come in and get your program when you look at all the on-paper talent and then you see see the results not matching up with that. I think that pressure
2: definitely stacks up on him, Mm -hmm. where it's like every failure becomes – so like the fans now, it's like Sark is not bowl eligible. We had a losing record. It's all over. Start over again. And it's like, well, hold on, you're holding, you're holding like eleven years against Sark. Like, you got to give each new coach, you know, a chance. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. That's that's actually that was the the perfect answer. I I do, I I agree with you. I feel like everybody. I feel like Sark is being judged on, you know, Mac Brown struggling a decade ago at sort of the end of his career, and then Charlie Strong. I mean. Do you think Sark is going to get enough time to put in what he wants to do?
2: Yeah, I think they're already pretty close because of uh, Xavier Worthy. They got him, you know, backfilled their class, stole him from Michigan. And uh, I think he's going to finish with 1,000 yards this season. I think he's pretty close. We'll see if Kansas State can bottle him up or not. There's been times when they've looked extremely explosive this year, and they're going to be better next year when they have another year in the system. Uh, I think quarterback will be better next year, either because they got a better player in there th- or because uh, the guys on campus improved. So um, I think offensively he will get his uh, program rolling. I think honestly, as soon as next year, They're, they scored like 37 points a game this year. They had like huge obvious droughts and some big games, which you can't have if you're going to be a winning team, but I think they're already pretty close. I think they'll get there. defense. He obviously botched his defensive staff hiring process. He hired most of the staff before he hired the coordinator, probably because he had a different coordinator in mind and it didn't work out. And they're clearly not meshing their styles and their teaching and schemes and everything well together at all. So that's kind of a, they got to get that figured out, but I bet he can. You know, I bet he can do like Herman and coast with like eight or nine wins for a couple of years, and then for his sake, hopefully figure out defense within that time. And if not, then we'll see. He'll be in the SEC, of course, soon. So
1: SEC West, right? Well, I guess they're going. To well, I don't know how that's shuffle work, stuff. Actually. Right.
2: Yeah. Better hope mm-hmm. for a lot of Vanderbilt
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Van, Van, the vandy missouri uh South hey Carolina hey, schedule. hey missouri just <laughs> beat
0: florida you watch your mouth
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. just to follow up on what you know saying about xavier worthy is at 916 yards so if he hits his average of 83 a game he would obviously get to a thousand so see what happens on saturday Yeah, Ian, I guess, I mean, you were talking about the the fans are obviously disappointed. What what do you think the crowd will look like on Friday?
2: I think it'll be okay. It's a senior day. It's the last game. They had a game like this against Tech a couple years ago, and it was decently well attended. You know, it's they could like half fill the stadium, and it's still, you know, 50,000 people, which is more than some of the Big 12 stadiums seat. So it's... Mm -hmm you know, it's a big draw. It, they'll have some people in there. I don't, I don't know if it'll be a, it's probably not going to be a record attendance, but yeah. The fact, the fact that I mean, it's Friday. Of the, of yeah.
0: I was looking at some of the attendance numbers and like it says 95,000 in Kansas. I mean, is that ticket sold or is that people through the gate? Do you know where they're getting those?
2: I, I don't know the answer actually.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, one of the things that came out was the, the rant um from one of your coaches that was was leaked out. And I don't know, it's interesting. I thought some people were, were making a good point of like what's really the bigger concern here? Is it this profanity laden rant or he was, you know, calling some players some names he probably shouldn't have, or, or was it the fact that, you know, one of the players was disgruntled enough to actually leak it? I, just, I don't know, what's your take on that?
2: Yeah. Maybe the best way to answer this is that Take Alabama. If you were a player at Alabama and you recorded Nick Saban chewing out the team, it would go very badly for you because the other players would, uh, you know, it, there'd be like a code, it'd be like a code red situation, you know, like you'd like, you'd probably get your butt whipped by some of the yeah. other players. So whether or not, however you might feel about that sort of culture, Probably the more concerning thing for Texas was that somebody felt like they could get away with that. Like if Mm -hmm. Texas were, if Texas were at the level of culture and buy-in amongst their players and they had the sort of hard-nosed players that you would find at like Georgia or Alabama or Ohio state or Oklahoma or wherever, then that would never have happened. Like that player would, it just would never have happened. So um, I would say that was probably the more concerning thing. I think that sort of rant is kind of far for the course across football after a bad loss, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's. I would say that's probably the most surprising and concerning thing for Texas that came out was just like somebody really thought they could do this and they weren't really too worried about it.
0: Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Drew? What would happen if somebody did that at K-State? Like say if it it happened after the the three-game losing streak.
1: K State. I mean, I can't imagine Chris Kleiman saying anything harsher than like "shoot" or "gosh darn," and maybe stopping <laughs> his feet a couple times. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. I, I'm sure behind the scenes, you know. But you know, I also cover Clemson, and I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine that escaping the Clemson locker room, as uh, yeah. I, I know Debo has uh, torn into the guys a few times on the sidelines. But you've never seen heard anything like that sort of leak out of the Clemson locker room. You know, every now and then you'll have a former disgruntled player say something.
0: But uh
1: yeah, that's rather troubling, I guess, as far as the culture for the Longhorns, that you know, somebody on the team thought they might snitch out their coach through the media, which I mean, I've been yelled at my entire, like, I I still, like, I go work out and like, somebody please yell at me so I can listen to you. I, I need, I need, I need something, I need some external motivation. And so, yeah, I didn't think that, I mean, that was whatever, it's par for the course, college athletics. If you're too soft to handle that, you're probably too soft to go much further in your athletic career, or you've been coddled your entire career and, And everybody else has been yelled at, except for you. And now you're having to actually deal with not being a a superstar. But yeah, no, that's... uh...
2: I think it was probably partly because they have a lot of uh, older players in the program that are like, we suck this year. I have no future in this program. I'm going to wash out soon. This is kind of funny, though grabs his phone I, th- I think it was i think it was that's i think it was that sort of thing you know they're gonna there's a reason that sark like the next monday was like we're expecting to have 33 new scholarship players on the team this year so they're gonna, yeah. they're turning over as much as they can you know
1: so you're yeah. saying it's a good time for k-state to go down and take a look at that texas roster and start recruiting some talent is that <laughs> well how'd that go for you last time <laughs> Then
2: they then Kansas State get a couple guys from Texas?
1: Uh...
2: I mean we're getting guys from Texas,
1: but they're like from like Prairie View and <laughs>
2: yeah. I thought I'm trying to remember. Bryce English, was that one?
1: Going back further than my uh, Kansas State. I fan don't think them. so. <laughs> what was Juan
2: Juwan Mitchell almost went, right? Or did he did he stick?
1: Yeah, I don't think he made it.
2: Yeah. I don't I don't know that there's anybody on the Texas roster that Kansas State is likely to find to be a useful addition to their program. Maybe you'll have
1: like a wide receiver, just uh, just a wide receiver. Like any any wide receiver would be fine at this point.
0: Uh, probably not. Yeah, Bryce English did play. He was one year at K-State, but he redshirted as a freshman and then, then he left and went to North Texas.
2: Yep, so, there you
0: go. Yeah, <laughs> that did not work out so well. <laughs> Yeah, well, Drew. While we're on the topic of culture, though, I know um, you know anybody that's read "Bring On the Cats" knows that, that Drew was let's say uh, disappointed, not angry with K State fans, and the, the way they hadn't been showing up to games. Obviously, you sparked some discussion with that. What did you think of the crowd on Senior Day?
1: You know, it was it was better. It was better. I think the Senior Day Senior Day was is, was always going to be better. I mean. There, mm-hmm. there was a lot of pretty high impacts, you know, Skyler just on his own, but McPherson, there's some real some guys that have been in that program that have a good following. And I, I assume they were going to show up for, I said, if they didn't show up for a top 10 Baylor team on senior day, then probably just need to go the old school Baylor route and start trash bagging off the uh, upper decks. And uh, I don't know if y'all remember when they used to do that at Baylor, where half the stadium was uh, just covered in yeah.
0: trash bags. Uh, The the TARP. Yeah, yeah, the TARP. The big TARP. But,
1: I mean, it's been sad. This has been depressing all season to look out and you see a pretty good product on the team with local Kansas kids and they're winning football games. And then you look out in the stadium and you're like, there's, what, after halftime, maybe 35,000 in the stadium, 40 maybe. I mean, nowhere close to 50 to start with. Probably start at 45 and then after half half time, you probably lose another 5,000 people. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like I said, Kansas State fans appear to want a good football team, but you got to support a football team. I mean, if 35,000 people showed up uh, in Austin, they probably just wouldn't play the game. I think they would just turn around <laughs> and, and say, I'm sorry, this isn't worth our, our time and effort. And so you know, Kansas State fans have to decide what they want because Empty Seats does have an impact on the program beyond just, oh, I didn't come see a
0: football game. Yeah. I don't know. I'd say (laughs) the most compelling argument against that was probably that, you know, this was still kind of a weird season. COVID's still kind of happening, and it's getting better. Like, watching games at home is obviously as good as it's ever been, and attendance is kind of down all around. I don't know, Ian, I mean, you watch as much college football as anybody. You think this is a – More than just the K State problem, and how widespread is it?
2: That sounds like a K State problem to me, but I I was going to ask you guys what you thought it was like, why K State fans are staying home. Is it like people are bummed out about the Big 12? Or are they like,
0: I I think there is still some people that are maybe not happy with you know, with Chris Kleiman still replacing you know, that maybe they wanted a, a bigger name replacing Bill Snyder, which is which is dumb. It is. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. But, I mean, they wanted a couple guys that have already <laughs> been
1: fired, that were hired yeah. by other Big 12 programs and have already been yeah. fired. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it makes no sense. That argument, I, and I, I see it. Oh, we're, I feel like there's a lot of people that didn't like Chris Kleiman and are just like looking for any small reason to justify the fact that they think he was a bad hire and they don't like the athletic director for whatever reason. Because he, yeah. he fired yeah. Bill Snyder, yeah. He, <laughs> because he, because <laughs> Bill Snyder was done, guys. He was done. He hadn't recruited in like three years. This Kansas <laughs> State program is so thin right now. Still, they're trying to recover from those last two years of Snyder yeah. just being like, I don't know, y'all want to come play football. You know, a few flyers and not local high schools or whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll see who shows up and we'll throw throw them out there because. Conant has turned recruiting around fairly well. I I thought he was a good hire to start with. I don't think Kansas State could have made a better hire as far as culturally what he's sort of put in place and somebody who's able to consistently do go out and find guys that can do more with less. I mean, he went out and found Deuce Vaughn, who's you know Deuce Vaughn. For him to get to Kansas State, everybody in Texas had to say. Mm, and, he goes, you have to drive all the way through Oklahoma to get to Manhattan and all and, <laughs> and so there's a lot of other coaches that didn't find him. And you've got, you know, King Felix, who was barely a three-star recruit at the very bottom, who's leading. I don't know if he's still leading the nation in sacks. but And so he went and found him and Cooper Beebe, who's one of the better left tackles in the nation, who was a two-star defensive tackle in middle of nowhere, Kansas. Recruit and now you know he's a true sophomore holding down the left side of the line. So I feel like Klein has done a really good job of coming in and finding some stuff. I don't know why it's not really helping as far as attendance goes. I feel like the the wins have, have been there. I, I don't feel like they've lost any game this year that they should have won. I mean, in Iowa State's yeah. a toss up. And I feel like Baylor. I mean, Baylor should win that game, and so he's beating all the teams he should be while trying to close the giant talent gap from the top of the, of the thing. And he's just not getting some of the follow or the following from the fans. It's rather frustrating it's even, for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's not even like the program they want to build is a power run game where they're just like mauling people. And they did not inherit the offensive line for that from Snyder for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, actually they inherited, they were handed a decent one, but it was like all seniors, so it was immediately gone. So and then they're like building it out of like uh smaller, big-framed guys who haven't filled out yet. So they have like really? guys up and down the roster that are going to end up being 320-pound monsters when they're like fourth and fifth year players, but they're not even in their fourth and fifth year of the coaching staff yet. So the fact that they've been able to like manufacture winning seasons more often than not under Kleiman to me speaks to pretty high coaching acumen. And when they actually reel and they're actually able to like, do what they want to do. Uh, I mean, it sounds to me like maybe fans are just kind of married to Snyder ball and that whole yeah. deal. But I, yeah. I don't, I, I bet he's going to be successful and probably win some people over with time.
1: I mean, I guess that's my big thing for Kansas State is that if they don't show up, somebody's going to come get Chris Kleinman and put him someplace, you know, over in the Big Ten. Or, you know, I could even see one of those sort of mid-tier SEC schools. Take, I mean, he's got some serious coaching bona fides he can do. He doesn't have to have the top-level talent to win football games consistently. He brought what I thought was a really good, uh, great staff he hired. And he's had no staff turnover other than uh, losing his defensive coordinator to Michigan State, who just put the money down. And K-State said, oh, we can't pay you that much money. Uh, We'll go find somebody else who can do that. And so I feel like he's a coach that you should be able to get behind. He does it the right way. I mean, there's some issues on this roster. That he's still trying to figure out. They still don't have a wide receiver, which is weird to me because that's in theory one of the easiest positions in football to go out and get somebody. There's a lot of good wide receivers out there. You should be able to find one and say, "Hey, we, we want we want you to be the guy." But right now, they don't have anybody to throw the ball to. But they're still, I mean, Deuce Vaughn still. Putting up 150 all-purpose yards, and if everybody knows where the ball's going, they still can't stop him from getting the ball. Which I feel like it's some pretty good coaching to scheme him open when you've got everybody looking at him.
0: Yeah, yeah. we will see. Well, yeah. I want to let's go back to you know kind of the, the game this Saturday and talk about Texas. First, take a quick commercial break. We hear from our sponsors, and we're back. So, in talk about. You know, the Texas offense has obviously been the the bright spot for this team. You know, they're still number two in scoring offense in the Big 12, number four total offense. And they've had some injuries. So let's start going through some of the, the big injuries. You can let me know if I'm, I'm missing guys. Um, obviously, Bijan Robinson is out. Probably a relief for, for Kansas State, anybody who remembers the game last year. I believe Jonathan Brooks, also out, running back. And then uh... To you.
2: Probably, probably okay. out. I would, say, yeah,
0: okay. They lost uh, Denzel Oakley for, for the season, left guard, a wide receiver, Joshua Moore, entered the transfer portal, so he left not an injury. But Winnington is back, but who, who key injuries that I'm missing there?
2: I can't remember if you just said Hudson Card or not. Hudson oh, right, Card yeah. is, Hudson Card is. Questionable at best. Casey Thompson technically left the game with I don't know what was supposed to have happened to him. He might have re-aggravated an existing thumb injury or something. I actually I don't know where they're at at quarterback in this game. So <laughs> that would be something to be something to watch. I would think yeah. that Casey. I think I would think that Casey Thompson would be able to play. Card, I don't know if Card can play. And then the, the next guy up is a walk-on named Ben Ballard. So, uh, uh, yeah. And then um, – yeah, I mean,
0: But even though they are missing, you know, they're starting running back and then maybe the second guy, you still got on Robinson and, and Rashawn Johnson put up some big yardage last week. You know, those guys still pretty capable. How how big a drop is it from the starters of those guys? Uh,
2: it depends on probably how well they can block. They blocked well against West Virginia. They were springing holes. So Rashawn Johnson is a good running back. Keelan Robinson, transfer from Alabama, is like a 4-4 kind of guy. So he's like a – it's like a thunder and lightning combo. They're pretty good. I mean, they would – those two would definitely start for Texas – in a lot of the seasons prior to this year when they had Bijan John Robinson.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, the run game is, the run game is in good shape. Overall, depending on the quarterback situation, I think Kansas state will get kind of your typical 2021 Texas offense for better and for worse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So right. uh, this is a battle of no quarterbacks. Do you, do you think Texas can just come in and just line up? And do what they did last year, and just try to rock that Kansas State defense with your big dudes up front. Do you think that's the sort of game what'll probably shape up to be? Um, I know that's not what Sark wants to do, but I guess sometimes uh, you know you gotta go with what you got. Uh, and it sounds like he's got some offensive linemen and some running backs, and he doesn't have a quarterback at the moment. Do you think he's gonna just try to line up and take the path of least resistance and, and run the ball? You know, thirty forty. Fifty times, as many as it takes, and keeps it passing to a minimum. Or you think he's still going to try to come out and run his stuff despite some limitations and personnel?
2: Can he? Like it doesn't seem like Kansas State is nearly as soft up front as they were in this game last year when they were like a shell of themselves. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know that Texas could line up and just run over Kansas State all day if they wanted to. And then I figure Kansas State, you know, is still playing for like a a bowl game right like you, a bowl game is assured but
1: mm-hmm. yeah they're playing for like you know if for you don't status, want to go to like yeah. <laughs> with mo if you don't want to end up in uh, oh god like a liberty bowl or something yeah yeah if you don't want <laughs> to end up in some terrible place where you just drive up in a yeah. bulletproof bus and then drive out real quick uh,
2: that's <laughs> texas is like not playing for anything it's like do we want to be four and eight or five and seven do they care? I don't know that they care. It's like, if you're not bowl eligible at Texas, it's already like a, you know, catastrophe. How much worse can it get?
0: Right. Maybe,
2: maybe, right. maybe staying ahead of Kansas in the standings is a priority. But, uh, Kansas, <laughs> Kansas would have to beat Iowa state, I think, to, uh, that's I don't think that's going to happen. So um yeah. Vegas usually has a better sense of how motivated teams are than I do, but um, and Vegas thinks that Texas <laughs> is, is motivated enough to play in this game and play hard. But part of me is like, man, Texas just wants to go recruit, fire defensive staffers, hire new ones, try to lure people into the portal. You know, I don't know if they... I, I I would question like how much does Texas really want to win this game. Do you think yeah. this could
1: be a game where you see start put out some of his young guys that still have a game left, you know, without having to burn a red shirt? Do you think this might be a game where you start seeing maybe a few of those guys come out since there is really nothing on the line other than, I guess, you know, the win or the loss on that day? Do you think that you might, are, are there some guys, are there some guys on that roster that, you know, you might want to see what they have as a, for their fourth redshirt game against Kansas State, or are they already all burned out anyway?
2: I think they're mostly already burned. I think they already just started playing those guys like a couple weeks ago. So uh, no one comes to mind. They're not super careful about redshirting on this team anyway, I've noticed, at least not yet. They seem to have a uh, if you can play, you'll play. Maybe part of their recruiting pitch, because I think they were trying to tell – Every four-star offensive lineman in Texas, like, you will play if you come. So come.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so Drew, speaking of red shirts, obviously it seems like Kansas State is trying to keep Will Howard's red shirt, and it probably means we're going to see a lot of Jaron Lewis on Friday unless they want to go to the Deuce Vaughn Wildcat formation. (laughs) So what do you think of the decision to keep Will on the sideline? Um, I don't know.
1: Like, we've seen a lot of Will Howard. I don't know if another year of whatever has been going on with him is going to make things better. Like, a six-year Will Howard, I mean, at what point is... I mean, I'd hope that wouldn't come to that. I mean, I just haven't... The difference between the Kansas State offense, and I think this is why Vegas has it with Texas minus two, because if you've watched this Kansas State offense with either of the backup quarterbacks, it's kind of trash. It's yeah. just not, not good as in like every pass, you're like, oh my God, who's that going to? Okay, the defensive back dropped it. Like that's generally having the defensive back drop the ball is like the best case scenario with a drop back. We saw Jaron play. Well, one snap, he was uh, 100% completion percentage last week. It was uh, to come in and just throw the ball to the linebacker. It was an impressive feat there in his one pass attempt. So I think you'll see Lewis, though. I think they're still – Howard's got a lot of physical upside, and so I, I think they're going try to try to keep it that way, keep him available. I think Kansas State needs to hit that. Either Jake Rubley needs to be what they thought he was going to be coming out of high school, or they need to go find someone who can do what Skylar Thompson does a little bit because it's not really it's not fair to do spawn and just that whole team that the defenses are going you know if Will Howard plays Texas is going to put eight nine in the box. Ten in the box. They might just not even cover the wide receivers, and, 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 and see what happens because there's just he's That's not in their
2: mo. they yeah. not in their mo. They've driven Texas fans crazy by playing uh, too deep, regardless of opponent or context. So uh, I mean, so the
1: only thing Will Howard has done well this year is he can play action, chuck it long into single coverage, and hope somebody makes a play. That's like his like one thing that I would say, where he might be able to just get somebody over the Kansas State. Maybe able to do low Texas into a, uh, uh those safeties start getting interested and in, and in jumping up into the line, and maybe he can dump one over the top. But he's not a good. He doesn't read the field well. He doesn't make the routine passes where you're like, come on, guys, that's like a five yard out, like any I would expect most high school quarterbacks at a high level to make this throw and he's drilling them in with his shins or throwing it over five feet over by his head. And so I, I think Lewis as the better thrower of the two. And so I think he'll get a shot to see what he can do, but this has all of the markings for a low scoring game, I think, even though I know Texas can put some points up. So maybe that's why they like Texas a little bit. Yeah. yeah.
2: Maybe. Do oh, yeah. um,
0: you think Deuce Bond can maybe, have a big day against Texas defense, though? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like, apparently, Sark called him Darren Sprouls 2.0 today, which is, you know, dumb. <laughs> Yeah. Y'all should scout Casey Thompson. Maybe you could convince him to transfer to Kansas State next year. Yeah, there
1: you go. <laughs> just start handing out business cards at the end of every game. <laughs>
2: if you liked what we saw from you. Let's uh,
1: let's talk. <laughs> if you're interested in finding someplace else, there you go. Yeah.
2: He can um, run. They don't really utilize it very much at Texas, but he can run well. He's not a big guy. He's a little bit. He's like 195. But he's fast, and uh, Texas only calls quarterback runs like third and two, or you know, third and goal. Every now and then they'll mix it in. That's it.
1: Did they exhaust all of their quarterback runs under the last head, uh, coaching staff, and so they? Re- yeah, they
2: yeah. Uh, they put a moratorium. They get <laughs> yeah. the Sark-, Sark doesn't want to do it. Sark is all about, I want my quarterback to be optimally healthy because i'm going to throw five double move deep shots a game or 10 double move double shot deep shots a game and i want my quarterback healthy enough to hit him mm-hmm.
1: you you, is that texas line going to be able to block up the kansas state pass rush because uh, that, that's sort of uh, where i think
2: <laughs> I'd, I'd say that's a i'd say that's a question mark i'd say the, the felix guy king felix or whatever you call him Definitely a concern. Ducks is just decent at tackle. Yeah, the, but
1: who's your starting tackle? I'm trying to remember. Is, he, is it Brockmeyer? Is,
2: no, no, no. no. Like, he, yeah, that was the one that got away. He's in Alabama. You're in Alabama, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Right. Sorry about that. Uh,
2: they, <laughs> <laughs> they have Christian Jones there. He played a right tackle last year. I believe he played – I think he played left and right tackle in this game last year. Not that it really mattered. Stets is just, you know, running the ball to Bijan every play. He's okay. Uh, he's not going to shut down King Felix. Uh, the right tackle, Derek Kerstetter, is the guy. He actually probably would have gone into the NFL last year if he hadn't dislocated his ankle or something in this game last year. So he's back, and uh, he's a good player, but he can be overmatched by someone like King Felix as well. So... Mm-hmm and Long, I'd say, is a big potential K-State advantage in this game. Okay.
1: Does, does Texas have any guys just opting out at the end of the end of this year that are looking at the NFL and saying, I don't know if playing K-State is worth my potential injury I'm ready to start lifting weights and getting ready for the combine, or is it being able to sort of hold that together a little bit?
2: Well, they don't have anybody like that. They don't have anybody <laughs> Or is there <laughs> no guy the roster? Yeah, the only that. guys. Yeah, the only guys that are like that are uh, underclassmen. So there's no point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: yeah okay, I wish well, they had a couple of guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to be sitting long. out
1: if they had a couple of those guys because they would still be playing for some. Yeah.
0: Like yeah. <laughs> so we're going kind of long here. Uh, do you want to? Closest out with a prediction here, Ian. What do you think?
2: Oh, can Drew go first? I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> Drew, do you
0: have a go pick. Ahead. Oh man, so I've
1: been I've been thinking about this for a little bit, trying to figure out who what I want to go with because I feel like Kansas, Texas is really really ready to die on the field. I feel, like, you know, I feel like at the first hint of adversity, they may just pack it in, and I think Kansas State. Is the more motivated team to win this game, and so I, I think I kind of like the Wildcats. Something like twenty-seven, twenty-one. K-State scores either on a defensive touchdown or a or a kick return to get up to twenty-seven. I think the offense figures out a way to maybe get three touchdowns on the board, and then an uh, other touchdown pushes them over the top.
0: That's right. All right.
2: If it's Jaron Lewis, I think Texas can win. I think Casey Thompson has been a very different player at home than on the road. Part of me wonders if he has been having problems with cold weather with his thumb. Because he could barely throw the ball against uh, Iowa State and West Virginia. But against Kansas at home a couple weeks ago, they lost, as you probably noticed. But they scored, like, 55 points, and he scored, like, seven touchdowns or something. So um, I think Texas can win this game if Casey Thompson is healthy and it's not too cold. <laughs> if Will Howard played, I'd actually feel worse on math of Texas. So I think if they just came out and ran Will Howard 15 times and Deuce 15 times, the Texas would just would not be up for it. Mm-hmm. Well, sounds good. I
0: think I did want to ask you before we let you go, and to get straight to the point, you know, like you said, the Texas team has been kind of struggling for a decade or so. This program, you know, they, they lost six in a row, initially to one of the worst teams in the SEC West. So, so why should anyone believe that Texas can be competitive in the SEC going forward? Well, this
2: team would not be competitive in the SEC. <laughs> the pitch would be that Sark is uh, another NFL quarterback, behind center, rebuilds the offensive line and then figures out whatever is going wrong on defense in time for them to it seems like 2023 would be year 1 in the SEC. So they got one more year to play on Big 12 level mode and then by 2023 they need to be much closer to having NFL quality players on both lines. We'll see how this recruiting class goes. They're they're not there right now. They're not even they're not close right now, but Maybe they can get there with a couple years of recruiting and in a in a better twenty twenty two
0: okay yeah well we'll see what happens um but we appreciate you coming on the podcast uh you know people can follow you on twitter at ian underscore a underscore boyd uh you can read your stuff at inside dot com check out the book flower football anything I'm missing there as far as stuff you want to promote.
2: Uh, that's the, those are the big ones check on the Twitter I, I write about the general Big 12 you can find links on Twitter to uh, mm-hmm. articles I've written on the Big 12 this year
0: alright sounds good thanks a lot for joining us Jan
2: thanks for having me
0: thanks Drew so, thanks yeah, for having me ask, yeah.